I genuinely think I was terrified of death before she passed away. But now having a sister literally in the afterlife, and I feel like she's still so present with me, I'm not scared of death anymore. All right, friends, this is the first time I'm recording in quite some time. I was putting episodes out once a week, and I don't know what happened, but we're back at it. And I'm a lovely friend, Becky here. Becky, how are you today? I'm so great now that I'm with you. It's been a productive day at work, and I am so glad that we're able to be here on a Monday. It's really kickstarting the week, so That's thanks an, for having me. You're welcome. I have a beer and a White Claw next to me, so I say the work day is over. Is that a challenge? For you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm still just working on the. <laughs> yeah, but thank God we're out of White Claws. I mean, I hate that I've said White Claws this many times in the beginning of my episode. Uh, but Becky, thankfully, uh, is willing to talk about her experience with her sister that she will allude to a lot more. I've already said thank you a million times, but thank you for being here. And uh, if you want to jump right into it, we'll just start from the top. Sure. Well, I know that you came out with this podcast and I initially was drawn to it, obviously, because death is very near and dear to me personally. Um, I had a sister who passed away about 10 years ago. Um, she was my older sister and she was about 10 years older than me, um, but she was born with a very rare syndrome. And at the time in the 80s when she was born, I mean, it was just a medical mystery. No one could quite put their finger on what it was that she had. So it wasn't until later in her, I would say maybe like early 20s is when they finally were able to discover a specialist in Cincinnati, discovered what she had, you know, and that's when we then learned, you know, okay, this is a terminally ill child who pretty much was given, you know, once we found out what she had, like, you know, you're not going to live past this point in time. And so it's like, you know, one of those things that we just kind of all had to come to learn to accept because she had already been, uh, I guess, defeated the odds. Like every single time she'd go into, you know, see a special, they'd be like, you know, she's probably not going to live past the age of two. Well, she'd go, you know, live to two. She's not going to live past the age of five. Well, she's now not going to, you know, so they just kept pushing it and pushing it because they couldn't quite figure out what she had. But then finally we were like, okay, we know what it is. Now we can obviously, you know, what are the options? Okay, well, there's not really many options. So just obviously let's enjoy the time that we have with her. And did you have that mentality every time? I mean, obviously she was older than you. So mm -hmm. what age was it you started recognizing that your sister may, may have yeah. a timeline? So um, we are about 10 years apart in age. Right. So that's a pretty big gap. Yeah. Um, but there was a time in my life as a young young child, I would say anywhere between the ages of eight and 10. It's like, granted, I was definitely watching like real world and road rules, like underneath her bed while <laughs> she's like, you know, the teenager. Mm -hmm. But there was definitely a time when my, I guess, um, maturity level just progressed past what my sister was capable of just because of, you know, what the syndrome that she had. And so, it, I think it was, I don't, you know, looking back at it, right? We were probably the same maturity level, kind of. And then there was a point when I became a teenager and I mentally became older than her, mm. yeah, you know, in a sense. Can I ask you what the syndrome was? Or? Yeah, I mean, so it's it's called lapse. Um, yeah. I'd have to Google what the whole you know, scientific <laughs> <laughs> name means. Um, but 
ultimately the doctor in Cincinnati Children's who discovered that she had this, um, it turns out at the time there were less than 15 recorded cases of this syndrome. And so he was obviously doing his uh, clinical case study on it. And when you look at the photos of, you know, the people, the 15 children's hands, their face, everything, they look identical. Oh, wow. They don't, like, my sister didn't look like me or my parents, you know. But then you look at these 15 kids who also had this syndrome, and they're, it's like they're brothers and sisters. So it's just, it was, again, you can't quite put your finger on it. You can't explain it, but you're like, well, someone was smart enough to figure out that, you know, these people have this, and, you know, let's do everything we can to try to help them while they are still alive. And that was 20 years later when they actually diagnosed Pretty much, yep, Exactly. And when you mentioned how you got older and she and you were you surpassed her in maturity, so is it something with specifically with the brain? Or? I think you know there's that there's that, but then there's also there were limitations uh, in regards to like her physical health. So mm-hmm. she was um, basically like I was mentioning those uh, the people that have this they have very similar physical features, but like when you think about mm-hmm. the internal organs, they're also the same. So much smaller tracheas, much smaller lung and airway okay. tubes, much smaller heart and lungs. So it's just like obviously that restricted her from being able to walk, exert too much energy. Um, she was confined to a wheelchair part of her life. The towards the half end of her life, she had to have a trachea in order to breathe because ultimately what this what happens in this syndrome is that your your throat will just like eventually close up so you know it's just one of those you know i mean there's all sorts of things that happen with it but i would say that was kind of like the main you know she was definitely you know one confined to a wheelchair because she couldn't exert too much energy and then also had to have a trachea the last part of her life in order to breathe because she basically you couldn't get air quick enough out of the mouth and the nose. So that's why you have it come out of the trachea. Got it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it was a lifelong battle for, mm-hmm. every, for Exactly. Everyone. So then it's like, for me, as a young, healthy, thank, thankfully, like able person, I had to also, you know, help to raise somebody who is not able and can't yeah. help themselves. So it was just a, you know, a different dynamic than your, I would say. Right. I mean, what you, what you could, you know, a typical childhood. I mean, that relates to you maturing a lot faster than little and your sister, most young girls. Yeah. I think it was like, I think I knew what was going on. Like, of course people are like, oh, sweetie, it's an adult conversation. You don't understand. I'm like, oh no, I got that. You know know what the fuck Uh, I've been doing. If not, I'm taking a mental note of that and then I'll figure it out in like a couple days, you know? So, so is that process... Did that make it? E- I mean, we're kind of jumping around, but is mm-hmm. that did that make it easier or harder when she did pass? Because in the back of your mind, people are saying, "Oh, she has this many, this many years, this mm-hmm. many years," and it keeps surpassing. I it. always, you know, like it's it, like talking it out right now. I think once we found out, you know, she was basically given ten years. Once we knew what it was, she was given about ten years to live. And I was thinking, oh my god, I, it was about it was my senior year of high school when mm-hmm. we actually were able to like diagnose it. So I was thinking like, shit, I'm about to go to college. Like, and I'm also a teenager. I wanted to live my own life too. I wanted to also, I mean, it's selfish, but it was like, I needed to escape. So I would always be partying. I would be going out way past my fucking like bedtime or curfew (laughs) doing, you know, thank God I didn't get in trouble, but I definitely got into, you know, some shenanigans just because I did not want to face 
what was happening at my home. So I, I definitely did run from it, I think, um, because it was hard. Uh, obviously, I know that what I had to deal with is not anything close to what she had to go through day in and day out. But I think at the time, my maturity levels also was, you know, I was still developing and just like yeah. trying to figure out who I was. But then you're definitely, regardless of it, you're tied to that no matter what. And it is ultimately, it just becomes a part of who you are and you have to embrace it. And I think as I got older, um, I obviously had, you know, accommodated that, I would say. And so you're saying you were running, is there something you you know, dissected later or when you were mm -hmm. getting away from it, did when you know she, at the time? So, you know, like I mentioned, they said, okay, she has 10 years to live, but I kind of didn't believe it. You know, I was like, you know, cause they just kept on pushing it. Yeah. So I think it was almost like they told us what she had. Like I was mentioning it was my senior year. And then it was about two weeks before, two to three weeks before I started college that <clears> she literally just suddenly passed away in her sleep. And we were all like, you know, her whole life in and out of the hospital. She's been cut open every, you know, all sorts of ways, you know, constantly just living, living in a freaking hell. And then she literally just went peacefully in her, in her sleep one night. I was so fucking mad. I was like, what do you mean? Like, I thought it was going to be more dramatic and, and just, you know, cause I, cause there'd already been so much trauma with everything. So then for her to just pass away, just. It, like, you know, it was almost like when it happened, I'll never forget. I was, you know, it was like a lucid dream in the morning, kind of around like 5 a.m. or something. And I started dreaming about her. And it was like, I was like, oh, this is like, you know, whatever. I know, like at the time, like I definitely just didn't really dream that much. Mm -hmm. um, but I was having this dream about her. And then all of a sudden I w woke up out of the dream to the sound of her ventilator going off. Like, you know, like when it goes, so it's like beep, beep, you know, yeah. so it was obviously like an alarm sound. So that's what initially woke me up. But it was almost like she was already gone right. when I was, it was like almost like she was in the dream, like hovering over me as an angel being like, hey, babe, I'm okay now. Like, don't worry about me. So then when I came to and I was like, oh shit, like, the, uh, you know, that alarm is going off. Like, fuck, something's wrong. Something's wrong. Rushed to the room. You know, it's like, of course they tried to like, you know, do the whole resuscitation and everything, but I already, I honestly knew like in the dream, like thinking back to it, right. I was like, at the time, at the time. Yeah. I go. Cause it, right. I'm in the dream. I didn't know what was going on, but now I'm looking back at it. I'm like, Oh, she was so for sure already like my guardian angel in that moment. Like just telling me like, this is going to be a really, really hard day for you, but you're going to be okay. Wow. And like, I'm going to be by your side kind of thing. Did you feel that serenity at the time? Cause I know you said later on looking back, but mm -hmm. at that moment, I guess there's so much going on. How the hell are you yeah. kind of calculating that? I think a part of me did. Like I, a little bit of me, cause I, you know, I can remember all the, uh, just the, the commotion that was going on when they're trying to obviously do like the whole resuscitation thing. But a part of me, I remember I got on the phone with my best friend Jasmine at the time and she was, um, we were not in the same state, right? I, we were on like a vacation or whatnot. So I called her and I just explained like, something's really terribly wrong, da, da, da. She immediately said, Rebecca, stop, stop right now. We're going to pray. And she took over the conversation, said like a four minute prayer. And I just completely went into like a trance. And I just also just kind of like, I knew everything was going to be okay. Cause at the end of the day, my sister lived, you know, I, you know, hard life. Yeah. Like she had a very hard, hard life. So I know 
you know, if there is something out there after this life, I know damn well she's having a good time because it's not going to be the pain that she had to suffer through, um, obviously, here. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, let, me, let me ask you, why, why did you say you were mad? Did you build up this whole story in your head a sense that how things were going to happen and then it just mm-hmm. didn't? And what, what was it, I was I was just mad because I didn't think that it was actually ever going to happen. Like, you know, it, it was just like I'd been um, – it was just, we always were just going through the motions of helping her and being Mm. there for her and supporting her and making her as comfortable as she could be. And I wanted to, it was kind of like, I think of your teenage years. Like I mentioned, I was rebellious, wanted to be out of the house. So right at the end of senior year, I was kind of excited to go off to college, but I was also excited to like begin a journey with my sister that wasn't tied to my parents. Because mm. then I could finally like maybe take her on a vacation. It was always going to be, you know, before college, like a family unit outing or whatnot versus like if I was in college, I could go home. I could, you know, it would just be a different way of growing our relationship. And I think I was so excited for that. And we finally were starting to get closer mm. and then just got stripped away from it's me. Frustration. Anger in the, yeah, very, I was just frustrated. Cause I was like, you had so much time to spend with her. Cause you knew it, hypothetically, we knew what was going to happen. Like they told us, you know, she's got about 10 yeah. years yet. You continued to stay out late, never come home on the weekends. And so it's like, I think now looking back at it, it's like, I do regret, you know, there are times when I regret, like, you know, the people that you hang out with in high school that you think you're going to know for the rest of your life. Yeah. I never fucking talked to those people. No offense. Love you guys. <laughs> um, but also it's just like, I can't, I can't get back memories that, you know, weren't created because I wasn't there kind of yeah. thing. So I think I hold a little like anger towards myself, but obviously it's like, Hindsight's twenty twenty. Hindsight twenty twenty. I've learned that talk, like we, talking about her, and you know, bringing back good stories and good memories of her is what keeps their spirit and their legacy alive. So, how was she talking? Was she was she able to communicate? So it's crazy. Um, the doctors, you know, like when you first go in to get a trachea. Um, I think I mean I'm not a doctor, but like you're not, you're they, not. <laughs> right? But they would literally, they, you know, something along the lines of like you're gonna, you're not gonna be able to speak. You're gonna lose your voice box because we're literally like, you know, jamming this right next to where that is. So basically, we went into that at one point in time, knowing that she probably wasn't gonna be able to ever speak again. So then we had to deal. You know, we were doing sign language. We're trying, you know, to learn how to accommodate with that. But she was there mentally to communicate oh yeah like she was she was um you know i would say like mental capacity you know like i don't want to put an age on it but like 15 16 got it you know but she took uh community classes like here and there and she graduated high school um but you know it was a it wasn't a like regular public public it was just yeah yeah anyways um what were you talking about? Well, I was the reason I was going to explain that more thoroughly. Why I'm asking if she if she can speak and communicate. Oh, that's right. Yeah, let me get to that. Sorry, yeah. I just need you to bring me back. Please, I'm reeling in, baby. Reel it in. <laughs> Reel her in. <laughs> so right, so she gets the trachea. They're like, you're not going to have a voice. She comes out of surgery. Of course, for the first, I would say, several weeks, no voice. Mm-hmm. Right. Then all of a sudden she just fucking kept working at it and like practicing and like building up those muscles again. So I would say she learned how to communicate by holding the hole in the trachea 
oh, to stop okay, to prevent that because remember that's what she's right. breathing through. So she would plug the hole with her thumb and force air, like speaking, out of her mouth instead oh, of coming through the hole. And so she had this like very distinct raspy voice. Like I wouldn't be able to interpret it, but it'd yeah. be like, hey Rebecca. Okay. You know, so it's yeah. it was just a very light whisper. Um, but it wow. was distinctively her. Right. Like you knew it was okay. her. And she could, you know, she could communicate, but also in doing that, you're gonna get short of breath. Yeah. You know? So it was just we just learned she learned to live with it, but she was like, I am not like you cannot take away my speech. Wow. Yeah. You know? So she Strong she felt, oh, she was so, so strong. I, I mean, I asked that even more um, if, if she could communicate and talk because I was, I'm curious about the process of through all those times, like what kind of dialogue did you have? Did it help or make things worse? Like how, how was the dialogue with you throughout this whole process with your sister? Um, you talking about like when she was alive? Yeah, just yeah. How, like, how, how was her, what was her mental state of knowing that oh, I may or may not live? complete frustration, right? Yeah. Pissed off. But also there were, I know that, a part of her definitely accepted like the shoes that she was living in and that mm -hmm. she could not change that about her. So I think obviously it's like with anybody, you have your ups and your downs, but you know that her lows are going to be far lower than any low that I'm ever going to have to go through. Um, but, you know, we just learned to accommodate like the things that she enjoyed, which was cooking at home. So it's like Katie always cooked dinner for us because that was not too extraneous, you know, you don't, you're just not like walking around the mall or going to the park, not too hot. So, you know, she loved watching movies. So it's like, we definitely made sure to accommodate things mm. that could, you know, give her a enjoyable time for what it was worth. Right. Yeah. So what, how do you feel in regards to, um, I know you were said you were mad and it's at first when you mentioned it, I thought you were mad by the way she died, mm -hmm. but it was more just that she did die, even though you knew it was coming, you just never fully grasped. I was the time mad, that it and was. I didn't want to. I just wasn't ready for her to go because I feel like our genuine relationship passed me being a freaking bratty ass teen. Like mm -hmm. I finally had gotten over that, and I was like, you know, wanting to actually spend time with my sister. You know, even though when you think about it, like. 10 years apart, it's hard, you know, you're just in two different generations. There's just right. so many differences in that. Um, you know, so I was just excited to finally have something with her and then to like lose it so suddenly. It was just like, and then also it was a shock of like, oh, you're starting college now, mm. like two weeks later. So my parents went from having this chaotic home that was just, you know, always something was going on to a complete empty nest. Like, and yeah, so I think shift. it was a complete shift shock sh change for everybody. So, yeah. Have you, have you, I don't want to say the word forgiven yourself because mm -hmm. it seemed like you held a weight on your shoulders of not creating memories that you could have it, but you had at the end of the day, like I said, hindsight is 2020. You're a young girl mm -hmm. and you had a lot of weight on your shoulders already. So like at the time, I, who can blame you for doing that? But did you blame yourself for any of those decisions? Because it seemed like you I regret mm, certain things, but you know. You can't, you can never go back and change the past, but I definitely do catch myself sometimes being a little upset about it, but I also know that she is my guardian angel and has been with me, like I was mentioning, since the moment. I truly feel that like she's been a part of everything that I do, and I feel like I do my best to incorporate or talk about her, or there's like little signs. I don't know how it is like, you know, what type of relationship you have with your father now, but like there are days when I'm like, 
I need a sign. I need a prayer. Mm. Give me something, Katie. <laughs> so <laughs> like, you talk to her in, you know, like, internally. Yeah. Or, or I'll, I'll say it out loud. I don't care. Right. <laughs> now that I live by myself, shit. <laughs> yeah, you say what the hell you want. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, no, but I definitely, like, I will for sure pray to her, call out to her if I need, you know, just guidance. And I definitely feel like she's always there to, you know. So you're at kind peace little, with uh, a little oomph. Oh, you're at peace with the timing that you said you kind of stepped away from her. I'm at peace. I am because I feel like a part of me hopes, prays, and believes that we'll meet again. Mm. Yeah. If you keep her alive that much, I, I I believe that too. Yeah, totally. So what was the hardest part in regards to from me asking after she passed? Mm-hmm. What was where were you and mentally? Like because you were in college, you just started college. Yep. So like imagine. Like I found my roommate off of some Facebook, you know, random, whatever. Yeah. And parents dropped me off like any normal person, whatever, said our goodbyes, teary. And <clears throat> literally I didn't because I was mentioning I was kind of angry with myself for not like cultivating a better relationship for her with her when I had the opportunity to. I would say I completely just went AWOL. Like, of course, I was, I graduated in four years. Let's get that straight. <laughs> um, but you better believe I was out all the time, partying, didn't care, was, you know, just, I just wanted, I, I feel like I needed to escape. And then I was like, no one is going to understand what I'm going through. Mm. Literally nobody. And then it's like, as soon as you mention the thought of like, your sister just died? Oh, like literally th- less than a month ago? Like how does somebody respond to it? So then there was a part of me, like I did not even want to bring it up because then the people have the burden of like, oh no, what do I say next? Like after, you know, it is, it's hard to fucking hear something like that. So you didn't that. tell anyone in college? No, I would, but it, it I just knew it was like, uh, it, it was just like, Telling them, and you could just you could watch their you could watch yeah. the expression <laughs> from being like this chick is so fucking cool to being like oh like, you know like and so I just learned to like and then there's also the notion of you're meeting so many new people right it's mm-hmm. a completely transformative period in anybody's life so it's like you're asking so many initiating conversations with anybody you're meeting. Where are you from? What do you like? Do you have any siblings? Do you have, you know, like, yeah. So that, that question, I don't know about you, any person that you meet, that's one of the first things family typically is going to come up within the next like one or two hangouts. Yeah. And it's going to be, so tell me about your family. Do you have any siblings? And then, so there was a part of me at a time when I was like, do I, I'm just going to say it. Do I want to open the can of worms? Do I want to go down that alley with somebody who is already being two-faced to me in the first place? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Drunk at a party. So then there's like, there is the notion of like, I do hold back. There are times, and even to this day, that I will hold back and just, if I don't want to open up about it, I won't, but you know. So conversationally, I understand maybe, depending on your mood, I'm going to talk to this schmo over here, but- Mm -hmm. Who did, did you talk? Because I know you pre-recording you mentioned you know, your discussions with your father and your mother differentiated. Mm-hmm. So, who did you have someone to talk to, or did you so, even try? Uh, yeah, honestly, no, I did not. I didn't. I actually just started going to therapy. I wouldn't say for that, but my first experience with therapy was in 2019. So Can't my entire that. life, I never really processed that or any of that. Um, not even with. 
Oh, family? well, yeah, of course with family. Right. But, you know, I think it's just like, it's a more of a mourning thing. Yeah, yeah. And just like, <clears throat> of course, remembering them. And like, I, I choose, I love to go to the visit her. Like anytime I'm in Charlotte and I have the opportunity to like pass by, I'm for sure going. And it's like, I could get there with my eyes shut you know, yeah. spin me around three times and I know exactly where she is like in this massive field. So, you know, it's, I also, you know, just, I don't know. Do you have a lot, you're saying you're healing. I mean, do you feel mm -hmm. healed, like, do you feel healed today? Um, honestly, definitely. I feel like, cause I, um, at this point it's been 10 years mm -hmm. and I feel that it's weird to say you still have a relationship with somebody who's no longer physically here. But there's been so many crazy signs that you just, you can't quite explain it. But then you're like, oh my God, did she have something to fucking do with that? I bet she did. <laughs> Give me. Yeah, for example. Okay, so her nickname, her name is Katie. Like, no, she wasn't Catherine. She wasn't, it was just Katie. Katie. <laughs> <laughs> and so her nickname became Katie Did. So her AOL account was like, Katie Did, you know, something, something a bunch of numbers. <laughs> Sounds like a TV show or a game show. Yeah, exactly. So, and of course, um, when you think of a Katie did, it's like a cicada. That's like their nickname too. So there was always like, and they're the, like the, the green bug that prays. Okay. So that was just kind of like. I'm happy you explained that one. Okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> You're like Google it after the episode when I edit this, but cicada, go on. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> anyways, or, no, 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 did I say cicada? Praying mantis. Sorry. Okay. Okay. <laughs> anyways, back. They're, they're we're back. They're, we're back. Woo. Okay. Um, okay so. Praying Mantis, that was just kind of like her bug, Katie did, that's what they're called in the South. So even just last year on her birthday, which is December 21st, I obviously was just a little emotional, kind of down, just you know, going through in my feelings. And I kind of like just called out and I was like, you know, I, I fucking miss you. I love you. Happy birthday. Like, I would love to see a sign from you, like anything. Sure enough, I walk outside to my fucking garden. Have I ever seen one before in fucking LA? Absolutely not. What was it? A little Katie did literally like I walked outside and it was, I looked down and it was right there just by itself. How just, long after you asked for it? Within 30 minutes. I swear to God. What? Uh, yeah. What do you think about that? Is that, is that like so your you first? Can't, you just can't explain those things. And then there's yeah. another one I'll say it right now that it's like still to this day, I don't know how it happened. And I'm like, I can't explain this, but it's like, holy shit. So one time I would say maybe like five years ago, I was visiting home from college. No, not college. Cause yeah, whatever. I was in Charlotte yeah. <laughs> visiting. <laughs> that works baby. And, um, so I went to the grave and I will never forget. It was like a balmy day, but it wasn't cold. It was maybe sometime in late October, maybe early November. And she was born in December, December 21st in a snowstorm. Like, I remember my mom would always, like, share that story about her. You know, like, she was born in a snowstorm. <laughs> and so I go to visit her, and I'm like, once again, it's like, you know, I'd love to see a sign, anything. I love you. I miss you. I'm obviously saying prayers because I'm there. Just, <clears throat> um, and I look up, and for about, I don't know, four or five seconds, snow fell from the sky just in and I literally, and of course it's like, you're by yourself. So you're like, oh, yeah. like somebody, please like, believe yeah. me when I tell this story, but it's like, you just, you just sit there in awe and you're like, you're here. I feel like that's gotta be part of the healing process for you, right? Yeah, totally. And maybe it was like, maybe it was all like in my mind and I'm hallucinating. I'm crazy. But honestly, it was like, it felt so real, 
so, I was so at peace. I couldn't. I was. I was shooketh. I was shooketh. <laughs> uh, but I, you, honestly, it's if it feels real at the end of the day, it's real enough. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I. It's, yeah, so I mean, there's just and there's just been weird things that people will still come up and share stories, and then like you know, like the unexplainable that will happen to them because they had such a good relationship <clears throat> with her too, and like they have their own little tidbits that will happen as to like how she's letting them know, like, hey, I'm still around. I'm still around. Yeah, it's funny because I I feel like I I wonder sometimes if I'm forcing it too much because it seems like when you the way you're explaining it, correct me if I'm wrong. <clears throat> and you're asking for a sign. You're just asking for it, and then you kind of like not that you forget. It, you just throw it out there. When I feel like when I ask for a sign, I, I have. I feel like I'm almost forcing it too much. Where you know, I, I think there's a couple of Pearl Jam songs that reference, uh, you know, trying to speak to my father. I, I want it so bad. Like I try to like go to sleep thinking about my dad. Like, man, just come to me. Just I just want to have a conversation. And I, show me a sign. Show me this. And then sometimes, sometimes it does happen. Sometimes it doesn't. And then part of me is like, am I just like part of it am I forcing it am I like trying to create something too too hard I know exactly what you're saying because I mentioned it a little bit ago I like I've always had trouble dreaming I've just never been like a you know some people would be like oh that crazy dream last night and they can go into deep detail about it I'm one yeah. of those people where it's like I'll remember it but as soon as I start moving my body it just escapes <laughs> out of my muscles um so I think a part of me for the longest time I I was so uh, again I was just disappointed in myself that I couldn't dream about her. I, I wanted to be able to see her in my dreams because I felt like that would be a, a way to, uh, I don't know, like create a storyline with a character, you know, like a somebody that I remember from my, you know, growing up and have create a memory out of a, a dream almost because obviously I know it wouldn't be something real. Do you think there's any correlation between you mentioning earlier how you f- feel like you missed out on some memories for not being there and now you're trying to create memories. Exactly. So there there were times in my life after she had passed where I would like literally try to like lucid dream and just like make it happen. And again, it should never happen. Right. So it's like that's why I it's like I'm not giving up on that. Right. right. But I'm also like I'm not relying on that either. And mm, perfect. Um I just have to move. And like I mentioned, those are just literally, those are probably the two craziest things that have like happened when I've asked for a sign. I will ask for a sign all the time and I don't get shit, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. of course. <laughs> but, it's like, what the, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, but it's also like, I know that I choose to believe that I want to carry her spirit with me and uh, bring about her. I want to share my life with her now because I always feel like, one, she wouldn't have been able to live the lifestyle that I have. Um, so it's like I also want to like live vicariously for her because she would have never been able to. So it pushes me. It really pushes me to be a motivated person because I don't want to – it's like I don't want to fail anybody, but it's like I want to like make her proud, even though she's not even here. But it's like I have her to like look up to. So you, would you say – in regards to that, for you personally, I'm sure it differentiates for everyone going through X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Is your sense of just keeping her close, and whether that be anecdotally through with other people, or are you having to inner dialogue? Has that been a big 
help for you? Is just so it's crazy. I a lot like in college. I mentioned I I didn't like to talk about it because it was an open, fresh wound, and then it was like these people are brand new to me too. So that is kind of awkward. Um, but now I love like engaging and like. I found that recently when I posted on social media on why we should all wear masks um, Mm -hmm. for people like my sister who are, you know, terminally ill and, you know, obviously anybody, she, you know, she would get sick so easily. Like she was in and out of the hospital, I would say 365 days, easily 110 of those days would be in the hospital every year, you know? So um, what was the question? I'm sorry. Um, I believe you were talking about, well, I asked you what part of the healing process, how important it was for you to keep a, a dialogue with her. So I would say now in my past, when I posted about that, mm-hmm. I had a slew of all of her friends that I haven't heard from in years. And they reached out and they engaged with me and shared sh- stories with me about her that I would have never been a part of because I was a young kid and she was hanging out with them like as a teenager, right? So it was nice to connect with people who have stories about that person that you don't even realize are there. So I was able to tap into some memories that I wasn't a part of, but I got to learn from you know about my sister and it's almost like when I go and visit my family that lives in Canada they every single time I hear a new story about my sister and it's almost like I gotta write this shit down because this is like (laughs) this is awesome you know so was that the moment was that the moment the social media post where you kind of started figuring out being more comfortable talking about it or was it before that No, no no I've been comfortable before that for sure but what gave you that curve? Because you said you weren't really talking about it. I was just it. AWOL pissed that everyone's rogue in America, DGAF, like well, half of us, right? DGAF for those who just don't give a fuck. Don't give a Except for that, they only care about themselves. Oh, okay. we're selfish. Oh, I said it. Um, so. <laughs> but the, what, I, what I'm trying yeah, to guess yeah. is the point of this pod, the podcast, one of the points, many points, is I love the fact that you're just talking about it. Mm-hmm. So it's, what was that? Was there, do you remember a transition of what, to get for people that aren't having a good time Mm -hmm. talking about it, opening up about it. It seems like you're a perfect example of someone who wasn't talking about it, then made a switch to talk about it and realizes it helps you. Yeah. I think I would say a part of, a part of me did hesitate a lot in college, um, telling and sharing that story just because I knew at the end of the day, I might, you know, these people, it's a four year tiny community, you know, just like 15,000 people, uh, town, you know, like everyone's going to probably leave. I just, you know, I didn't know, I didn't want to expose everyone and their mom to my personal story. Just they're new to your life. That's, I get Versus it. Versus like when I moved to Los Angeles to start my career in 2014, I was like, oh, these are relationships that I'm going to have for the rest of my life. I do feel really comfortable talking about this. And now it's like, I think back to the people that I first, when I first moved to LA and I shared, you know, my, what, you know, who I am and my backstory, I still love and talk to those people all the time. So it's like, I, I feel like the, I just became more confident in talking about it and not holding back because ultimately it is a part of who I am as a person and I shouldn't suppress that. And I feel like talking about it makes you feel free. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I don't want to say anything else after that. <laughs> that should be the promotion for my podcast. But no, it's good. It's good to hear. We spoke about it earlier. I mean, just it's bizarre, but just speaking about it, and I and I don't want to force. No, I don't want to force anyone to talk about it. But mm. I was in a similar boat with you, where I kind of kept things in, 
No, it's weird because growing up, like, if there's a lot of things I don't even remember. I don't know if it was Can a defense ask, mechanism. How old were you when he passed away? I was 12. So, I mean, pretty young. Pretty young. That's what I think about. Like, I, I speaking to someone else about their own experience, it had nothing to do with death, but I'm learning more and more how loss is loss, whether it's a, no matter it's a relationship or it's death, it, loss is loss. And she had an experience that kind of made her black out for a lot of her memories, a lot of things that happened. I kind of feel like that's what happened to me where. There's a certain point, I don't even know how I started talking about this, but there's a point where I don't remember a lot of what happened in my childhood in respect to that. Mm-hmm. And all I see now is where I'm at today. And I, cause I feel like as I got older, I started thinking about things more. But from what I understood is I, I didn't speak a lot. I didn't really at least express myself. And now I'm an open book. I have a, a damn podca- podcast about this, so I better yeah. well be. So it's cool to hear someone like you that found that process and found comfort in talking about it because I'm hoping you sharing your story as you are will help someone else talk about it or at least listen to Definitely. you. And I think also um, there are times when I even surprise myself when I will think back like, oh, I've, I've thought of every possible shared memory past time that I have with my sister. And then, you, you know, that we are, I don't, I can't remember the exact percentage, but they're like 90% of our brain, you know, we really don't tap into all the time, but then something will jog something that will come, it will spark a memory of my sister. And I'll be like, oh my God. <laughs> Isn't that kind of exciting? And so it's like, it's exciting to, you know, you get the tingly feeling and you're like, yeah. It feels like you're there. Yeah. And, it, and it's like, I can, I can really, I feel like well, not necessarily close my eyes, but if I want to, I can go back to a moment and lay out the whole scene and just like walk through it. And it's almost therapeutic when you, you know, for the good memories. It's comforting. Mm-hmm. I mean, to recreate that, I get, I almost get frustrated with myself for not remembering certain things because I, I, I yearn so, so deeply just to, just to like remember and just feel things. Not that I forget. I mean, there's a lot of things I remember. I mean, 12, I, I'm, you know, I'm not mm-hmm. so young where I'm not going to remember a lot of things, but, um, I totally understand what you're saying in regards to just pulling that back up. It's comforting. And I think that's why it's important to talk about it and bring it up. And we spoke pre-recording. I wonder if some people think or at least perceive talking about their loved one as opening up old wounds. So I guess there's a difference of perspective there, right? Some Mm -hmm. people feel comfort in talking about it like you. And then some people like, I don't want to talk about it because it's bringing up negative emotion. I think it's, uh, I was uh, mentioning how my parents, I, I do believe sometimes there are two sides of the coin, whereas like I never have had any issues just talking openly and freely about it with my mom versus if I am speaking to my father about it, I've found at times it's more of a like matter of fact, mm. do remind me about this. And it's like, he will answer, but he's not going to like, you know get deep into it. Exactly. So it's like, I have to be the one to kind of, you know, push it a little bit, which I'm okay to do versus my mom. It's like, oh, let's, like yeah, let's have some coffee and like reminisce. How does he respond to you kind of maybe pushing the limits of having him open up? Is he well, see, like that's him? the thing we haven't, because I don't really, that's just the type of person that he is. And I do want to like, obviously work on that, but you know, he's just a stoic person individual. That's how he has been his whole life. Um, so you can't really, you can't change how somebody is as a person and that's totally fine. I'm not asking. Yeah. I can't force it. Um, but you know, I, I, I definitely, I think he appreciates how I handle things or how I have handled it. Well, that's, it's interesting because it goes back to how everyone, uh, you know, handles things. Everyone does it differently. And who am I to say that what works for me works for someone else. 
Have you noticed anything for someone that handles it like your father? If you don't mind me asking, does he handle it? Does he release anything in his own way or do you think he just shoves it out of the way and keeps going? And see, I think exactly what you said. I don't, maybe because he just didn't want to. Um, because I know he also had to literally be like this primary caregiver. Like he retired early. Oh, wow. Uh, he retired in his, uh, maybe he was like 49, 50 ish when he retired, but he retired so he could take care of her, you Sheesh. know? Um, so I think he also just, it might, it actually might be too hard for him to bring up because he had to do the, you know, the brunt work. Yeah. Versus like, he probably shielded me from a lot of the stuff or it was always just like, you know, close the door type stuff. Like you don't need to see, you know, you don't need to see what's going on in here type thing. Just because it's, 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 you know, it's the insides of a human being. It's not the most pleasant thing. <laughs> so well, like, that's, you know, that's what I wonder with, with people like that. Cause I can't speak on it. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I wonder if, uh, you know, putting it away has, however he did it. Is that like, good thing or is it a bad thing? I, I guess I, I don't even know if you would know. But I wouldn't know. I mean, I I think it's, it's so hard to say. It's like, it's I would hard. love for him to like be here right now doing this. You know, like obviously a different right. different person, but like having something like this, I, w I always like wonder like what it would go like for him. That's the interesting thing. It's like if I were to have hypothetically speak to your dad, it's it, that's an interesting dynamic of talking to someone experiencing the same thing within a family, but it seems like a totally different perspective. Yeah. And that's where it's, it's, it's good to learn about that. Cause he might have an insight that I have no idea that might be good or, mm -hmm. uh, you know, who the hell knows unless you talk to him. Yeah. And so I think, you know, he like, he's always, he's one of those people I've seen him cry once and it was not during any of the, you know, when she passed mm -hmm. away, he had, cause again, he had to be the stoic, the man of the family, right. the backbone. Um, it's a tough one. Yeah, it's exactly. Tough. So I think he just has always held that space for himself and he doesn't want to break that that wall. He doesn't want to break that character, I think. Yeah. And to each their own. I, I you know, I, for me, I think I love to speak about it and talk about it because I know there's hope, you know, hopefully, I, you know, I don't forget things, but I, it's like I've learned I should start writing them down. Cause I can't, like, I couldn't tell you what I had for dinner a few nights ago. So I'm like, you can, you, you can like, pull up these memories and be right there. How I, how I mentioned the memories that will come to you that you never thought you were going to remember again. Those are the ones where you're like, well, oh, I should probably write this one down because I bet you in 15 years it might be gone. Yeah. So I have found that writing I've been, uh, definitely in COVID I've probably like, gone through three or four journals, not even like about my sister, but I'm just learning like, you need to write about your life. This is interesting. This is fun shit that you're going to want to read back to somebody at some point in time. So do you find the getting it out in a tangible form is a release in itself? You know, mm -hmm. I mean, just like getting it out. That's literally getting it out. Yeah. Getting it out. And then also just uh, like how I was mentioning, you know, I just fully believe and, you know, calling out like your intentions and what you want in life. And whether that be like, I need a sign from my sister or like, I really want this new house in Hollywood. Like I'm putting it out in the universe. I'm telling you, I'm telling everybody on my WhatsApp, <laughs> say a good prayer for me. Like, let's do this. You know? So it's like, I think I always just put good Focus positive energy shit. into everything that I do. And it typically comes out, you know, 
pretty decent. <laughs> well, hell yeah. You were saying that earlier. So if you're manifesting the shit, I ain't slowing you down. Yeah. But I do want to ask you as a little finale here, mm-hmm. how has your experience left you in perceiving death today in regards to, because clearly you've had a unique experience mm-hmm. at a yearly age and this and that. So what's your perspective on death today? Yeah. So real, real quick, when I think back to being a child, I was before she ever passed, I can remember being terrified to go to sleep because it's like a, you know, like in a child, you're like black hole. Like, am I going to wake up? You never know. It's like, <laughs> if I die before I awake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Okay. Don't and, say that again. Well, anyways, sorry. I'm just saying like the prayer that I always said before I went to bed yeah. kind of thing. And I genuinely think I was terrified of death before she passed away. But now having a sister literally in the afterlife and I feel like she's still so present with me. I'm not scared of death anymore. Just because you feel like she, you feel so powerful that she's in a better place. Mm-hmm. I think she's in a better place. I think she's at peace. Um, you know, I can't say if like they're actually like little angels flying around and making <laughs> shit happen, but I, you know, we only have this one life that we know of in this physical present moment. So why not make the most of it? And I just have learned that I need to do that not only for myself, but I also try to do it for her too, because yeah. she wasn't given and afforded that opportunity. Uh, if my mic wasn't attached to this mechanism, I'd say that's a mic drop right there. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I mean, I, I'll give you a, a, a six feet away cheers right there. But um, no, I, I think... I mean, you handle it with a sense of maturity and clearly you had to grow up with, uh, like we mentioned earlier, you had to mature a little, a lot earlier than most people, you know, even though, um, you experienced death from a young age, but at the same time, it was knocking on her door constantly. So I commend you for the way you handled it and how you perceive things now. And I, I know that whoever listens to this will, uh, take it and run with it. And I just want to thank you for coming here. Thanks for having me, David. It was awesome. It was nice. I really, really enjoyed it. I know. It. We've been trying to do this for a little while now. So I really, <laughs> I can't thank you enough for talking like this because amazing that was great all right well awesome i'm not gonna i'm gonna look in the camera guys i'm gonna be putting out some more episodes soon so um please um tune in becky thank you so much and we have another episode of dead talks and uh we out cheers